This is an IG paid post. The news and editorial staff of the Financial Times had no role in its preparation. Hello and welcome to IG's Decoding the Markets. I'm Victoria Scholar and with me on the pod today is IG's Chief Market Analyst, Chris Beecham, and Andreas Klenau, who is the CIO of Asius Asset Management. And also he's the author of the international best-selling book, Following the Trend, along with Stocks on the Move. And today we're here to talk about trading psychology in some more detail, specifically around common trading mistakes. Now, Andreas, if I could start with you, clearly every trader makes mistakes. But there are a number of things that can be done to minimise these errors. So what would be at the top of your list there? Well, if you're talking about retail trading, uh, which I I assume you're referring to, I would say the largest mistake, the most important in my view, is the the, the misunderstanding of risk and return, expecting too high returns at fairly little or no risk. So... I guess there's an, a, a tendency for inexperienced traders, at least, to go with the gut and take on very risky positions. I assume that's what you're referring to. When we think about trading positions, is there a rule of thumb around how much risk to take on? Well, the most, the most important thing in my view, and that's part of, this, uh, part of the answer as well about the mistake, is to properly understand what risk is from a financial point of view. And from what I see usually when I speak at, at conferences with retail traders, there's a general lack of understanding what risk is. And starting there and explaining how much risk to take is a difficult point. I think it's a useful one, though, really. It's the assumption that people always worry more about how much they can win and how much they can lose, I think. And that's mm-hmm. a common mistake for, for new traders. But they don't. Human nature is not to think about the worst case, I think, in many ways. It's to assume that the trade will turn out successfully. And they don't think about their mindset, particularly, that they'll, that will set in if that trade moves against them. And if, of course, they risk too much on one position, it's always a classic error, I think, for newbie traders. All right, well, let's talk about winners and losers then. I mean, say I'm sitting on a winning position. Do you think it's the right move to increase my exposure at that point, say doubling up or something similar? Well, I think um, it's something you do cautiously, really. It, if once if it's moved in a certain direction and a certain amount, then you can scale into a position. I think it's it's equally important when you start out maybe to reduce the size of your your initial size anyway. Start with a number and then perhaps halve it and move on uh, from there. And then you'll find that you, you can dip your toe in the water if it moves in the right direction. You can then add to that position. I think it's people assume they have to go all in at once, and I don't think um, that's particularly the right approach. I think it's something that people get wrong too often is they just uh, sort of commit themselves all out without sort of testing the water first. I, I take a slightly different point of view on that one, actually, and I hope you don't mind. Um, and my view is this, that if you take out a special, specific or target risk on a position, and then a position goes in your favor and you double it, well, why do you double it? I mean, did, did the probabilities of future success change just because you had a good initial entry? I mean, now you double the risk just because of based on, on when you first entered the position. That doesn't change the risks or the returns going forward, right? So from that point of view, I guess I'm coming more from the quant point of view, and that's why I, I tend to think in those kind of probabilistic terms. But for me, doubling the position just because you have a gain or because you have a loss, well, that's not valid enough reason. That doesn't impact probabilities going forward. And, and how about the other side? You know, traders often struggle to let go of their losers. So why is that the case? And why is it wrong necessarily to wait for the market to come back on track, do you think, Andreas? Wrong to wait for the market to come back on track? No, well, cutting your losers is, for, for many types of strategies, very important. Not for all types of strategies, and that's an important thing. 
Uh, I'm not a subscriber to this general, generalistic terms or terminologies and quotes about cutting your losses, letting your profits run. Those things are very valid for some type of strategies, but not for all. An investor, for instance, is probably mostly best off not cutting his losses, whereas a trader, especially a short-term trader, well, he would be wiped out if he did not. It all depends on your point of view and what phenomenon in the market you're trying to take advantage of from what time period. I think it's it's particularly relevant, though, I think, for trading in this case, really. Yep. It becomes exactly. far more of a, a point here. We are as an investor I, I take your point entirely you are you're taking let's call it a view for example and you're happy to to let that one work out and clearly that it takes time for instance as buffett would argue it takes a long time for sometimes for the market to realize the value of a position whereas for trading i think fundamentally i i would tend towards the view that you have to stick with your your loss discipline and be as rigid as possible with that and, and if it means that you take a run of losses then i think it's one of the the, the risks that you take in this in this um environment and it's something that a lot of people don't really understand, I think, certainly that the idea that you can have several losers in a row and that you need to be mentally prepared for that is something that, oh, yes. is that you only start to encounter over the course of time. I absolutely agree with that. And it's particularly in uh, the area where I came up, uh, my, my primary background is in the trend-following space, in the CTA space. And, well, over there, it's not unusual to have a profitable strategy that loses 70% of the time. But that's just how positive skew strategies work, that you have many, many losses smaller losses and a few very large outsized gains. Let's also talk about long versus short. From a psychological perspective, why does it feel that much easier to go long a lot of the time? And do you think that's a common trading mistake? Oh, it is easier. I I would argue that the short side is um, orders of magnitude more difficult than the long side. It might look on the surface like it's just a reverse trade, but uh, it is much more difficult to short. And you have, of course, the... um, bit of hidden problem in terms of both borrowing cost and uh, shorting availability that is not as, as visible before you enter. I, I do tend to agree with that. I think people assume that it, it's the same it, from a trading, opening a trade perspective, it is the same process. It does look the same. But I, it, even in bear markets, I think fundamentally people assume it would be easier to do. But you have to be Let's talk about stocks. You have to be an optimist to invest in the stock market. Most people buy stocks in anticipation that they will go up. If you are shorting it, even in bear markets, even with underperforming companies such as you get even in the strongest bull markets, um, you will see r- dramatic rebounds in uh, price, particularly when new news essentially comes through that can cause a, r- yep. a rapid change of sentiment. So people have to be very uh, careful. And w- with new traders, we say you risk a very small amount of your account size with each trade. And I think that's even more so um, true with short trades. Now, at IG, we talk a lot about the importance of stop losses, but it feels as though there can sometimes be a reluctance to use them. Why do you think that's the case? I think most people use them incorrectly. I think most people fundamentally put them too close. They don't understand how volatile a market is um, and they they look at how much risk they can wear on a particular trade and work out where their stop loss should go. They, they, instead, you should try and engineer it the other way and say, where does my trade idea become invalidated with that stop loss? And then if you have to then dramatically widen out that stop loss and as a result cut back on your um, risk size, then that's that's the thing you have to do because ultimately you are testing an idea here. Each trade is arguably an idea and a process. And if you have to wait for it to be proven wrong, not just simply um, try and randomly put a stop that merely represents how much you're prepared to lose on a trade. I think also sometimes traders can have a tendency to look at 
too many markets, would you say? Do you think it's better to specialise, become an expert in one asset class, uh, one portion of the market, rather than trying to be a jack of all trades? Andreas? Well, I'm a systematic trader, so from my point of view, no. From my point of view, and I totally see the other point of view here, but from my point of view, it makes sense to look at as many markets as possible. But that's because I program, uh, I build computer programs that can analyze and scan many markets, find patterns, find the diversification, which is absolutely key in my field. To find proper diversification, you need to move to, uh, to all kinds of asset classes. Uh, you need to spread out as much as possible to diverse assets. Obviously, if you're looking at everything manually, that's a different story. Then you might need to be, become an expert at the few fields that you really get to know. I think it's I entirely agree, really. You can see the merits of both approaches. And if you are automating it, you have that ability to, to sort of range freely across markets. But it is true if you're constrained by time, you're constrained by um, simple availability of markets, then it's much easier for some people to go the other way and concentrate on one or two. But like so many things in trading, it's, it's the process that you use that goes with it. And whatever process you use, whatever works for you, you have to stick with that. And if you sort of flip from one to the other, it, that's when problems start to set in, I think. And when we're thinking about common trading mistakes, I guess one that frequently crops up is the failure of traders to be meticulous around their record keeping. Would you agree, Andreas? Well, again, it's an issue that uh, for me, it's not that much of an issue since everything is electronic, everything is, is, um, is programmed. So obviously there are systems in place to follow up, to measure slippage, to, to measure uh, actual realized returns versus predicted returns by uh, various backtesting engines, walk-forward engines, and these kind of things, then it's easier. But of course, if you trade manually, which most people do, looking at the market and taking a position that makes sense, most people are not following up properly. And yes, there is a problem. As you know, those who don't learn from history are bound to repeat it. I think that's exactly true. And I think people underestimate the importance of that, really. It's a, it's a learning process, both good and bad. I think you keep a trading diary to see what went wrong, but also to see what went right. And you can learn, I think, equal amounts from both of those. It's not necessarily just a sort of exercise in self-flagellation sometimes that you need to keep a record of your losers just to make yourself a uh, reminder of how badly you can do. It's important to say, but yes, that was also a good trade. How was it a good trade? Why why did it work out? Um, and what can we learn from that one as well? It Again, it's one of these things that you, you have to do, and it requires a bit of discipline and it doesn't sort of come overnight but if you can start with the right kind of mental attitude then these things do tend to develop of themselves all right now that's all we have time for today thanks so much to my guests chris beecham and andreas Klenau. thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of ig's decoding the markets all about common trading mistakes i'm victoria scholar and make sure to tune in again next week 